This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a weekly show where we learn what it means to rise above the human condition. We hope the conversation today is just what you need for the week ahead. everybody welcome back to the transcend human podcast it is great to have you with us where are we at november 7th 2022 another bright sunny morning here in southern california and i have really been looking forward to this for a long time so i've talked a little bit about it um i wanted to do a series on our foster journey uh, the the journey that tammy and i've been on uh, to become licensed foster parents, or in the state of California, as it's called, resource parents. And I just wanted to take some time and sit down with her and just walk through our story. Um, not every single week, not even every two weeks. I don't know. We have no idea. Every every couple weeks, once a month, whatever it is, when we when we think that we have some interesting things to talk about, we'll we'll put out another episode. Um, but this is it. This is the first in a series, an ongoing series um, we're going to call Transcending Stories. Uh, the reason we're calling it that is because these are stories, right? Each each of the little kiddos that we're going to have in our home is going to come with a story, and their story is going to intersect our story, and together we're going to write a whole new story. So maybe cheesy, maybe not, I don't know. But it is what it is. It's what we're going to call it. And the funny thing is, during this episode, uh, Tammy and I actually joke about what we are going to call this episode or this series. So there's that. Um, But we weren't really worried about that, right? We just wanted to sit down, knock out this first episode, uh, and hit the ground running. So I think that's it. I don't really have anything else to say. Um, So here we go. Uh, this is Tammy and I sitting down, kicking things off, talking about our foster care journey. All right, so Tammy is with us back from back from. <laughs> where have you been? I've been here. You've been I here. I haven't gone anywhere. Been around doing my thing. All right. Well, I think we had talked about you coming back and doing an episode or two, but it just never happened. We were just chatting earlier about the fact that some of this hardware I've had for a whole year and haven't even used it yet. <laughs> so, so here we go. Um, but yeah, the last, so we did the parenting series, what, over a year ago now, that I guess. That seems crazy. I it's know. really been a year. It had to have been. Yeah, I think you're right, because I think we did it in not this past summer, but the summer before. Yeah, when we had kids when home. When we had kids home. kids were able to come on at the end. Yeah. And, I mean, we, we, we recorded it all over the summer, but I don't, I think it was like a fall series or something for you. Yeah. Cause we put like one a week for a while. So yeah. Yeah. It's been a hot minute. And then, and then I did one with each of you guys toward the end of the year. So I think that would have been in December or maybe early January or something. Yeah. One with each of the kids and then one with you. Um, But since then. It's just been, it's been me. you. It's just, <laughs> it's just been me you. all the time. So, yeah, I kind of explained this already at the beginning, but this series, we, we kind of talked about this earlier. Like, is there something that we could do, just an ongoing series where we're talking about 
fostering, being resource parents, what it looks like, the journey that we're on, all of those types of things. And so I've been bugging you like crazy. When are you going to do this? And and finally, you agreed to do it. That's so not true. <laughs> I told you I would do it. It's called time, my dear, time. Yeah. It's finding the time to sit down and actually make it happen. And then, what, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, hey, let's do it. And then somebody wouldn't do it because their voice didn't sound exactly right. Yeah, so, that, was, that was a bad week. I, so, was, a, I was a little off. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we are here, two people in the same house at the right time. So we're doing it. Episode one. And I don't know what we're going to call this. I think I on my screen here, it says transcending stories. So stories of fostering, basically. Um, I don't know that I had anything else that seemed all that interesting. But we'll get that figured out before we put out the first episode. Um, or maybe we won't. Maybe or, it'll just be, you know, up in the air and we'll let everybody else decide what they want to we'll what they want we'll to people call email it. in with their suggestions mm-hmm, of, exactly. of what we should call this series. That would be the difference between you and I. Is I would be like, I, do we have to have a name? And you would be like, we Yes, don't. we have to have a no. name. I my episodes are numbered. So this could just be one hundred and thirty, whatever the next number yeah. is. I don't even know. There you go. So all right. Well, I guess we'll get that figured out. Or not. <laughs> Okay, so like I said, we're we're hoping that this can be an ongoing series, but it's not going to be once a week. It's not going to be every week we sit down and do this. I don't we haven't even talked about how often we're going to do this. Nope. Every couple of weeks, once a month, once every two months, I don't know. Whenever we'll see. whenever we feel like we have enough information <laughs> to put a podcast episode together, we'll do another one. There you go. Works Sound for good? me. All right. So this week we're just starting at ground zero. So I guess the big question when it comes to our fostering journey is how we got here. Uh, And we've talked a little bit about this, I think, in the parenting series or or one of the other episodes that we did. But um, if we go all the way back, you're probably the one that had the desire to get into this from the get-go. So maybe talk a little bit about that, where that came from, how early that started in your life, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I I was telling Daryl earlier when, before we were getting started that I'm like, I feel like we've done this. I feel like I've told this story. So I'm going to gloss through it really fast because I do feel like I've already told you guys this story. But I basically, after I graduated from college, like right when I met you or right after we got married, I kind of started back to school thinking I was going to teach. And in that program, I had to do a speech class. I had never done a speech class. Somehow in my undergrad, I never had to do that, which I still don't understand. So I started in a speech class, and one of the things we had to do was a persuasive speech. And somewhere in there, I don't know if it was for the class or just on my own, I read the book, A Child Called It. And it just literally changed every. It just, it literally changed everything. And that's where my passion came from. So I'm not going to go into the book and describe the book to you. You should go and read it if you've never heard of it or never read it. But it's basically a story about a child being abused. And I did a persuasive speech on um, abused children is what I did and ended up, <clears throat> I can't remember like even how far it went, but ended up getting asked to do my speech in some sort of competition and went, I don't know. Again, I can't even remember how far I went in the competition, but so it just was something that I became super passionate about. And 
what I've realized in my own life is when there's something that I'm passionate about, I have a really easy time talking about it. And so I think that's why I did so well in this whole speech thing that I did. But anyways, that's just where it, that's literally where it started, how it started in me. It just grew this passion in me of like, I, that's not right. That's wrong. I don't understand why people would do that to children. I don't, I, I just could, I could not wrap my head around it. And it just created this like huge empathy in me and this like, this has got to change. This can't be okay. This can't be right. So, and for me, I think it was more of a, I, when it first kind of hit me, it was, if I, if I remember right, it was more, I wanted to, I wanted to do something in foster care, but I don't know that I necessarily wanted to take in kids. I think right off the bat, it was, I wanted to change the system. So I was like, the system is broken. I don't like the system. Something needs to be done. I don't understand how these parents would be allowed to keep kids and how, you know, really, really bad things could happen. You'd hear stories on the news about just horrible things happening and the foster care system in the States making bad decisions, making wrong decisions, not doing what was in the best of what I thought at the time was in the best interest of the kids. So I just kept thinking like, I've, I've got to do something about that. I've got to change the system. I'm going to work in the system. And then life happened and we mm -hmm. started having kids and that very quickly became apparent that that wasn't the, the, I think I wasn't the time frame. It wasn't the right stage of life because what I knew is that I couldn't have kids and be a good mom. And also I knew if I got into that and tried to work in the system, which I could have in Indiana with my degree, but I knew that it would emotionally tear me apart and it would take a lot of my time. And I very quickly found a really good gig once we had kids where I was able to be home a lot of the time and do a lot of my work from home. And so I was felt like I was still able to be a stay-at-home mom, but also I had to work. It wasn't an option that we had financially. So so it just very quickly was like, okay, well, that's not, that's not, that's not what I'm gonna do right now. That's not, um, I'm not gonna work in the system. It's not the right timing. I wanna be a mom. That's what I'm passionate about now. But that that like I don't know, that fire, that passion, that feeling never went away. So it never, like I would push it back and push it back and be like, okay, whatever. It's, it, it was just, a, it was a timing thing. It just, it was something that I got really interested in for a little bit, but now, you know, it's, it'll go away. I'll just, I'll just kind of forget about it, but it never really would go away. It would always kind of come back around in certain instant, in, in, at certain times or I'd hear certain stories or things like that. And it would always just kind of sit there. So that's how I think it kind of happened for me. That's what I know in my head. Yeah. So on my side, it was much less um, like a passion area or much less something that I think I, you know, had a burning desire to do and more just, I heard you talk about it, the way that you talked about it. I was inspired. I agreed with you. I was like, yeah, that's mm -hmm. definitely a thing. Um, but to get two people on the same page at the same time is hard. And we'll mm -hmm. talk more about that in the next <clears throat> section, I think. But so for me, I mean, I was in the field of social work as well. So, you know, it's not like my, my, uh, career was off in some totally different direction, right. like an airline pilot or a mathematician <laughs> or something, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. we were both in the same field, having the same thoughts, the same ideas. Um, it just wasn't for me probably like as I wasn't as passionate about it, I think as you were. Yeah. 
Yeah. So. I think there's just always been something. I've always known I've wanted to do something with kids. So I think that's where it hit me. It was like I always had this desire. I mean, everything I've done in my life, mm-hmm. now that I think about it, has been working with kids. So yeah. every job I've had through all of the different jobs that I've had, it's all been focused on kids. And so I've always had this like burning desire to help kids. And then when I, it was like, oh my gosh, there's kids out there that aren't being cared for and aren't being loved and are being treated very badly in their own homes with the people that are supposed to love them more than anybody else in the world. I just couldn't, I was like, I can't, I can't fathom that. I can't, I don't under, like, yeah, I just can't wrap my head around it and that's not okay with me. So, yeah. Yeah, when I think back to, I mean, once I graduated with my MSW, I was, that's all I did was work with kids for quite a while. I mean, Until either you got out of the field, either in juvenile detention mm-hmm. or day treatment or inpatient. It was always kids and adolescents that I was working with at the time. Yeah, I guess that's true. So, Until you, at the very end, though, weren't you working with adults or no? Was I, it all kids? I worked with adults as well, but yeah. it was, I was over the inpatient program, which was mainly the adolescent the program. So. We had maybe five adults at a time in the entire hospital, so yeah. much more adolescent. But but yeah, then I got out of the field, and I've been doing web development and stuff like that in a variety of places. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, we were, that was kind of our our starting point was we were both in the field, and that's where it started. So, true story. All right. So when you think back. Um, fostering you said that was not always the the thing you were after sometimes it was you thought you'd be a social worker mm-hmm. in you know in the system trying to make the system better but then every now and then the whole concept or the whole idea of fostering would pop into your mind um you know maybe talk more about that in indiana like when when did that first start happening and then what was it like trying to get me on board when you would have those thoughts Yeah, I can't really remember, to be honest, like when it kind of switched for me of like, oh, well, maybe. I feel like you saw something, either like a commercial or a billboard. Literally, that was like the thing I think that that spurred at least one of our big conversations about it. It's like, I saw this thing and it made me think, why why aren't we doing that? Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. Yeah, maybe. I literally, I can't, I mean, I know it's been there for so long, but I can't remember what the catalyst was. Like after reading that book, I can't remember what the next catalyst was that was like, made me be like, oh, well, like in my head, I think I just thought I realized I'm not going to go work in the system right now. And so the next best thing is like, well, then I should be helping these kids. Like, why can't we do this? Mm -hmm. So in Indiana, we definitely talked about it. We had several conversations about it. I mean, I remember it coming up I don't know, once a year, once every other year, we would like the conversation would roll around and it'd be like, well, I don't know. What do you think? Like, I want to do this. And you and I were never on the same page at the same time. Like, yeah. So what were some of those things? What were some of the things that we use as excuses, if you will, that it just wasn't the right time? I mean, I think from we probably used, we didn't, which is so funny, we didn't have room, like, because we had, you know. <laughs> every kid had their own room. Oh, every so. kid had their own room. So it's like, well, what would you do? We, there wasn't another room to put another kid in, which is hysterical now that we have less room than we had back then. And so anyways, um, so yeah, we didn't have room. And then I think, I mean, 
from remembering back, I think a lot of it was just fear. It was just all based in fear. So I would get like, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. And you would be like, I don't know. I don't know that we can handle it. I don't know that we can handle another kid. I, you know, it's all those things that go through your mind. Like, what's it going to be like? How, how, how are they going to interact? Like what's, it's going to turn our life upside down. Like, and so you would be like, no, I'm just not ready. I don't, I don't think it's the right time. And so then it would kind of get pushed back. And then you would actually, I think sometimes like we'd get into another conversation and you would be like, okay, well, yeah, sure. Let's try it. And then I would be like, ah, I don't think so. I, 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 I just don't know. Don't think it's the right time. Like, so we literally did that for, I mean, pretty much I feel like all of our kids growing up years. Yeah. I feel like it was the ages of our kids once in a while. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was the, um, you know, most of our kids, well, at least two of the three were in travel sports. And so there was constant travel mm-hmm. um, just for games and for tournaments and all that kind of stuff. So I think that was an issue. Some of the time was like, well, how on earth would we do that? Mm-hmm. You know, with the, I don't know. It's funny. I, this just popped into my head, but, you know, we've had the conversation about why we moved to California <laughs> and that, I mean, there's lots of Lots of parts to that, but that one of the reasons that made us start feeling that nudge was like that life got really comfortable and we just felt like we were being called to more and that we weren't really called to live in the comfort because life was becoming all about us and um, complacency complacency comfort. and comfort. And like we were just doing things to make sure our own little life stayed very, you know, very yeah, complete, safety, safe, security, right. Build your, build your nest egg. Right. Like. Right. All of those things. Yeah. All of those things. And so it kind of makes sense, right? Like why at that point in time, it's like, well, why would you turn that upside down? Because then, well, life isn't going to be safe anymore and life isn't going to be comfortable anymore because anytime you bring a stranger into your house, it's not comfortable. Like it gets uncomfortable super quick. So Mm -hmm. it, I don't know. It literally just popped into my head of like, well, yeah, why would we have done it there? I mean, we were just, we were so worked up in our own life. Battling with anyways. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. So then fast forward, we moved to California, um, move into a house with even less room, less space. Um, Mm -hmm. So what, well, maybe, maybe talk about what you started to do for a living because that sort of scratched the itch a little bit for you. Yeah. Well, I think it even started before then because when we moved out here, we came out and you immediately like we literally landed in Southern California and you the next day turned around and left to go on a work trip. And when you went on that work trip, you ended up having conversations with some people that had were passionate about foster care um, and had done, had had kids in their house and had done that type of thing. And so you started telling them our story and um, came, I remember you coming back from there and being like, oh my gosh, you have to talk to these people. Like I had these conversations and they just were like, oh, I need to talk. I need to talk to Tammy. Like we need to talk to you guys. And so I think that's even kind of what started it. It was just like, I remember you coming back and just saying like, you're not going to believe. That's right. I did. I do remember that. Mm -hmm. And it just happened to be (laughs) the the right people or the, I guess, you know, when you network, you never know who you're talking Mm to. And so it was just, you know, it was just people that I was going to be working with at this church. And so I was having the conversation because they were talking about fostering. And so I just had the conversation and it just happened to be the two people who were highly involved in that Mm -hmm. through the church Mm -hmm. that then ended up talking to you. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, 
I, I ended up sitting down. One of the ladies I met with was holiday and just to hear their story. Cause they were one of the ones that you were like, Oh, Hey, you need to reach out to them, you know, cause they've done this. And so I sat down and chatted with her about like, just wanted to hear their story and what they had done. Cause I don't, I, I don't know. It's like we moved here and all of a sudden it was like, well, yeah, this is what we need to do. And so I, I don't even know why that changed again, probably because we were out of our comfort zone, out of life, just being all about us and into this new arena. And it, I don't, I don't know, but it literally was like, we moved here and it was like, okay, well, this is what we've been planning all along. Like, let's just do it. So I started that conversation and that conversation ended up leading to a job uh, at a church where I was the foster youth and family director of foster youth. And I don't even remember what the title was anyways. Um, so I basically was over their foster youth and family department there. And so got to work in many different, um, instances with different people, but a lot of the work we did was with the County, um, of orange. So orange County social services with the older kids, actually kids who are aging, who are closer to aging out of the system. So that's a lot of the work we did, but I mean, we did stuff with other other parts of it too, but it just, it, it, it's crazy because it opened my eyes to so many different things. And literally, I think I came in to, I, I, I came in with this idea in my head of like, parents shouldn't have their kids. Like if you're not going to love your kids and you're going to abuse your kids and you're going to neglect your kids, then that was always my passion. Like they need to be taken away from their families and they need to be like, that's ridiculous. Like every kid needs a loving home. Yeah. And if, if their bio parents can't give them like this perfect right environment, right. then they shouldn't have those kids. Right. I definitely had my, what I always would call in my other job, my middle-class values were like high and mighty um, at the time. So but I took this job and got more involved and got to see things more firsthand and got to be around people and experience things and listen to stories. And it completely changed my whole thought process. Literally just, I think it turned me 180 degrees to realize like, yes, there's a lot of kids who are in homes that they're really, really hard. And, but there's reasons that those homes are really hard. And there's cycles of abuse and there's cycles of poverty and um, that every kid actually does want to be with their family, that that's where their heart's desires are, that I think God intrinsically puts that inside of us, that that's who we want to be with. And so one, who am I to make that call? Um, and two, why wouldn't we want to give every family a shot? Like why, why would I just assume that families want to do bad by their kids. Like, why was that my first instinct? Why did I just assume that like, oh, this family is choosing to hate their kid? When no, that's not what they're most of the time choosing. They just, they don't, sometimes they don't know another way. That's the way that they were raised. Sometimes they're stuck in a cycle of poverty that they don't know how to get out of or they can't get out of. Um, sometimes they were abused as kids and they don't know any different, you know? Um, so, I think my eyes in so many different forms and fashion were just opened to the world in general and to like, as a white middle-class person, I think life should work. It, if you want to get out of certain situations, it's like, well, you just pull up your bootstraps and do it. And I think there was a lot of different things that kind of came crashing in at the same time that were like, okay, Tammy, really? Like, have you really thought about that? Have you really processed through that? And there's lots of stories you don't know and lots of people you haven't been you haven't surrounded yourself 
around and stories you haven't heard. And as I started to hear just people's stories in general, and then my heart was changed in so many different ways. But I think that's when it truly became like, no, I actually want these kids to be with their families. That's what they need. So how do we help the families? Like, what can we do to provide to provide a safe place in the in-between, but with the goal always being of what can we do to help these families get back on their feet so that they can be the best versions of themselves for their kids. So. Yeah. And I think when, when you talked about wanting to fix the system in Indiana, like it was like, you hadn't really had any interaction with them on, on many levels. So it was like this from up above looking down hindsight is 2020, Mm -hmm. you know, they're doing a bad job. Someone needs to get in there and fix it. And then when we got here, just because of the job you had and the people that you needed to interact with, you ended up probably in meetings with social workers. Like you have, you literally had inside Mm -hmm. access to the social work, social work department or the Mm -hmm. social workers, um, child and family services Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure that kind of opened your eyes because you're, you're hearing more of the inside of what's going on in. Yeah. And just being around people who had been, foster parents in the past or who had, you know, and you hear their stories of these kids that they had in their homes and how bio parents maybe were addicted or, you know, had a drug issue and they just needed, they needed somebody to believe in them enough to be like, no, you can go to rehab and you can do this. Like, actually, I want you to get your kids back. Like, go do what you need to do and I'm going to be here, you know? And then you get to watch that story unfold in front of you and you get to watch this mom that was, in her past abused and didn't have her own mom that took care of her, but she was able to pull it together and go to rehab and get her kids back. And, you know, now she's got her kids and they're, they're living the best life that they can live. And it's exactly how it's supposed to be, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think I just was exposed to so much more and also heard and started to understand what a detriment it is when kids are, when, when they don't get to be with their families, you know, you hear, you hear the older kids talk about that. That's all that they want, you know, yep, yep. that that's like, if they could have anything in the world, it would be to be with their mom and dad, mm-hmm. you know, um, obviously they want their mom and dad healthy and you want them in a place where their mom and dad are healthy, but that's what they want. They don't want to be with another family. They want to be with their mom and dad that are healthy. So it's like, well, why, yeah. why aren't we doing something to fix that? So, yeah, I want to talk more about that in a minute. Cause it definitely happened to us with one of our, with one of the kids that we had in our house. But I'll, I'll talk more about that in a minute. So we get to California. You make these connections. You get the job. It seems like everything is headed in that direction, but we still didn't get our foster license. Mm-hmm. Like we still become did not become resource a, a resource family mm-hmm. um, for quite a while. So what we tr- what we tried instead was something kind of like a foot in the door thing called mm-hmm. Safe Families mm-hmm. and. I think we've talked a little bit about that. Um, safe families yeah. is well. You can describe what face safe families is. Why is yeah. it? What is it different? Just real fast. I think the one thing I would just because we're kind of using foster foster care and a resource family kind of interchangeably, and mm-hmm. that's just because in California, um, in California, we're technically called a resource family. We're not called a foster family. That all changed a few years ago. Um, because they used to call it like kinship families. And a kinship family is um, when kids are placed in kinship care, that means they're with some sort of relative. Could be a distant relative. It could be an aunt or uncle. It could be a grandma and grandpa. But they're with uh, some sort of blood relative. 
So that was called kinship care. And then you had like foster families that were, there was no, there was no blood blood relation. relation. Right. And, um, the state of California finally just decided we're not going to have two separate names. It's going to be one. It's going to be considered resource, a resource family. And so that covers kinship care and also then covers like the foster families. So that's when you hear us use those terms, we use them interchangeably, but that's, that's the reason. So um, so Safe Families, yeah. So Safe Families is basically a preventative program to foster care. The kids have not been removed um, from the home. DCS is not involved. The Department of Family and Children Services, sometimes DCFS, Department of Children and Family Services, sometimes just DCS, Department of Ch- Child Services. Um, but they have not been removed. They're not involved at all in that system. But it is a system where a family reaches out and just says, I'm in need of help. So I, I'm in need of resources. I don't have anybody safe in my life to send my kids with. And it could be all, for all sorts of different reasons. It could be because mom needs to go to mom or dad need to go to rehab and they have no place else for their kids to go. So you know, imagine that you're in a situation where you finally decided, okay, I know I need to make this change in my life. I know I need to do this, but I have kids in my care, in my house, and there's no place for them to go. So what are you going to do? Like as a mom, right? Like you're like, you uh, keep going. yeah, you're not going to go to rehab because yeah. you have no place to send your kids. Um, so it can be for that. It can be, you know, you're medical homeless, problems. medical problems. It can be work. It can literally be like, I need to go on a work trip and I have no place. I have no family around. I have no friends around. Um, and so, so yeah, it's, it's a much a quicker process to get approved. I mean, you still have to go through all the background checks and all the safety stuff, but it's definitely not the way safe families kind of looks at it is they kind of look at it more as like, you're just, um, taking care of some kids in the in-between. And so they, I think they even said to us when we went through like all of our stuff, like, you know, it's kind of like just if you were taking care of your friend's kids, you know, like you had a sleepover, you know, and so they really don't care. Kids don't have to be in, uh, you know, certain rooms or you can't have too many kids in one room. They're like, we, the kids could sleep on the couch. Like it doesn't, it's literally, they're looking at it as this is just a safe place for these kids to be for, and it's also very short term. Um, so it's the parents set all of it. The parents at any point can be like, okay, yep, ready to have my kids back. And you have no say over it. Nobody else has a say over it. Um, as long as, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of safety around it, but it, anyways, it's very short term. It's just supposed to be to help a family get back on their feet. Yeah. It's so, much more laid back. Yeah. Than- than the foster system where yes. it's very, you know, there's courts involved. It's the, yeah. all the legalities and all that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you also, I mean, one of the other difference, the big differences is, is that safe families, it's a completely voluntary program for the families. One and two, you also, there's no reimbursement for any of it. So you are taking care of these kids just by the graciousness of your own heart and providing for them with no, no sort of financial help at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah. So yeah, that was we made that decision and mm-hmm. and started that process, and so put off, I guess, the whole foster thing for a while. Doing doing that instead. Um, yeah, I think it was just our first way of saying like, hey, let's try this because we think we want to do this, but do we really like? What's it really going to mean? Because we still we still have those fears of you know we've got three kids, <sighs> uh-huh. they're very active, there's lots of stuff going on, like. This would this would really probably introduce us to that lifestyle. What what would it look like right. to have a few kids or one kid in your house? Right. All that. And we knew it would be very short term. So it's like, oh well, if this doesn't work, we're not locked into something for six months or have to 
move a kid, you know? And so, yeah, it, I think that was part of it for us too. It was like, this is a easy, really easy way to get our feet wet and to try it and decide how this really works for our family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the, the story I was going to tell was that with the, the first two little boys we got through safe families and just, you know, the situation was terrible. You know, their, their mom and boyfriend had driven across the country all the way from some Southern state to get here to work for Amazon or something and (laughs) got here, you know, homeless, their car broke down. And so somehow maybe through the police police. or something, they, they heard about safe families. And so they took two kids, put them over here, two other kids, put them over there. Another kid put him over there, Mm -hmm. kids all over the place, but these kids were being taken care of while the, the mom, um, you know, and the boyfriend got their stuff together, tried to figure out when their jobs were starting and all of that. So we had these two little boys. And I tell the story just because when you talk about kids wanting to be with their biological siblings and family, like we saw that so strongly with those mm-hmm. two. Even though they loved being with us, they loved the things we, you know, we took them to the pools, we went to the beach. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the kids. It probably felt like they were at Disneyland, mm-hmm. you know, for part of the time that they were here. Um, and, but man, when we dropped them off, it was just mm-hmm. <laughs> kids running and hugging each other and the kids, mm-hmm. you know, just so glad to be reconnected. And so I, that for me, that was a very good illustration of that concept that it doesn't really matter how difficult things are going in a kid's life. Mm-hmm. Like there's that bond and that desire to be where they should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, those kids definitely had a, I mean, we, the stories that just came out of their mouths and random moments of driving in a car and all of a sudden they would just start talking about something and you're like, they've lived a hard life. Like they've. At three years old, four years old, five years old. I mean, they've seen some things, they've experienced some things. They've, they know more than they should ever know at this, their young little ages. But yeah, they, I mean, we took them back and they got to see their mom a couple of times while they were with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, we took them back and their siblings were there and they just ran to their siblings. So that was, yeah, definitely. But it just makes me think about our own kids. And I'm like, that would be the worst for them. Like, you know, not only are you not with your mom and dad or your mom or whatever, you know, but then you're also not with your, you know, and at least we had two together. So yeah. we had, we had the two youngest boys and there was two like middle girls. And then there was an older boy and the older boy got, he was by himself, but, but yeah, just that bond that was there. And it was so sweet to see them <laughs> want to all back together. So, yeah. So then what, what did it? What finally got us to pull the trigger with getting our foster license, becoming a resource family? I mean, to be honest, I don't, I don't have anything in my head that's like, oh, this. I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe you have something, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. just, I just put the question down because I'm like, at some point, I guess we finally decided to do it. Yeah, I think it was just one of those things where we had done safe families for a while. We had two girls in our house uh, right before the pandemic hit, so these two girls that we went and got and uh, they literally went back to their mom at the end of February and the pandemic hit in March. And so obviously, you know, everything kind of shut down after that. And 
uh, I think it just was something we went through the pandemic and maybe it was the pandemic. I don't know. Like maybe it was just everything kind of just being like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And what, what really are we doing? What really is important in life? And, um, we kept contact with these two girls. We, they're still part of our lives. I mean, we see them on the regular. We had their family over for Thanksgiving last year. We take we pick the girls up from school, it feels like now once a week and take them home. So um, we are kind of a second, like a second house to them. And it was, I don't know, it was just sometime after that we were like, well, we've been talking about this. And and I think, I don't know, maybe it was the like, we've been doing Safe Families now. I mean, we, we got the two boys this summer of 2017. And so we had been doing it for almost three years. And it was like, yeah, this is fine. And I think the other thing probably was we had our two girls in college. And so it was like, okay. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, we've got now a room because that was what we ran into here in California. With Safe Families, poor Tyler kept getting booted out of his room. So it was like, hey, Ty, you want to sleep on the couch for a bit? So um, because the girls were still home when we did – well. Rach was home during all of Safe Families. Allie, I think, was gone for part of it, but was she was in college for part of it. But uh, I think it was more of the, like, okay, now our girls are gone. They're going to be out of the house. And so there's going to be room available that we wouldn't have to kick a kid out. So Right. Because, yeah. yeah. So I think that was probably what made us be like, okay, well, now's the time. I don't, I don't know. So that's what I, I mean. That's the only thing I can. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was more just a logistical thing of, even having a space because it, like we said, it is a bit more rigid with Mm -hmm. the County. I mean, it's, you know, they have rules. You have to have a bed, you have to have a room or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that probably was one of the biggest issues. Yeah. Yeah. So we made that decision. um, And as we were getting into it, we had to do some online stuff and then, the first thing we had to decide was whether we were going to go straight through the county or pick like a, an agency or some yeah. or something like that. Yeah, they call them foster family agencies out here. So you is kind that of, the same in Indiana? I don't know. Or I forget. What that I don't was know. Even like. I don't know. Yeah, I, to be honest, I really I don't know. They yeah, out here you can either go through directly through the county. So we're in Orange County, so you would go directly through Orange County. And be licensed by them, or you go through basically a private agency is what it is. They call them foster family agencies, but um, they're just private agencies that are getting funding from the state as well to train and have to have resource families. And so all the kids are still county kids. You know, they all come through the county, but then they just get placed over with families that are in foster family agencies. So yeah, yeah. So we went the county route. I mm-hmm. think someone told us that that would be faster for no, us. No, no. Was it just a ease? It was no. It was a me pretty much decision. <laughs> Maybe just I didn't decided. even really include you in on this because of all of the um, all of my job that I had done before. I had interacted with both, so I had, uh, I yeah, I had interactions with foster family agencies. Did lots with them. Did lots with the county and knew I was like we could really we could go either way. But the thing for me was. When you go through a foster family agency in California, every kid has a social worker. So a kid is assigned a social worker when they are removed from the home. And then as soon as they're in like ongoing care, once the courts decide like, yes, this is where this case is headed, then they're assigned like an ongoing social worker. So a kid has a social worker. 
and through the county, that's the social worker then that you're dealing with. If you're, if you're a resource family, you have one social worker that you're working with. It's the kid's social worker. When you go through a foster family agency, the kid has their social worker through the county. And then you as a family have your own social worker that is assigned to you as a family. And so you basically have this like I, the way I looked at it was kind of a middleman. Like you have this, mm-hmm. you have your own social worker that like you would need to go to them and be like, oh, hey, I have this that I want taken care of for this kid. And then they would go to the kid's social worker and they would like work it out between the two of them. And I just wasn't about that. I was like, I do not need somebody else in my way. I don't want a second person. I don't, I didn't feel like I needed or we needed our own social worker. I felt like I knew the system well enough. I know how things work. I feel like we can advocate. We know how to advocate. And so I just was like, I don't want another person in my way. If I have something I want to get done, I want to be able to go straight to the kid's social worker and I want to work with them. And I don't, I don't want to have this other person have to be a middle person. So I so kind of was more of a too many cooks in the kitchen kind of a yep. thing when you yeah. start getting into that. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. That's what it was for me. So. Okay. So we went that route and. Um, it took a while. <laughs> it really did. It took forever. And it was during a version of COVID. Yeah. Like it was during it was. the end portion of COVID. So there, there was that piece of it. Um, some of the stuff would have been in person. We ended up doing everything online, obviously zoom, yeah. zoom calls, zoom trainings, orientations, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there would have probably been more in-person stuff mm-hmm. if it wasn't COVID, mm-hmm. but we did everything online and over zoom. Um, there's lots of paperwork. There's lots of trainings you have to walk through, mm-hmm. um, things like that. And then it, that was it. Yeah. I mean, it took us basically a year from start to finish. Start so to finish a whole year. we started in the fall of 2021. We did our, we did an online orientation through the county and, um, started that way. And then we, I mean, we pretty, cause they only, you only have a certain amount of time after you do that orientation to make a final decision, decision about like, yes, we're going to move forward with this or we're not. And we decided mm-hmm. pretty quickly, like, yeah, we're going to move forward. And so we did all the paperwork and started that, got us into social worker, got told, here's all the trainings. You have to do CPR. You have to do all these hours of trainings. They were all online. So we just, I mean, we pretty much knocked everything out as we needed to knock things out. Yeah. I feel like we knocked stuff out pretty fast yeah. and then sat and waited. Yeah. For the next step. Yeah. We all had to be live scanned. So Daryl and I had to be live scanned. And then the girls, when they came home for a break, like last year, we got them live scanned. Um, So we moved through all the things we needed to move through. But the county, um, it was just really slow. Very, very slow. I think they're very overworked and they're just slow. There's just a lot going on. And then our social worker left part of the way through that we were assigned to. She told us she was going to leave. She was leaving the county, and um, we were supposed to hear from her supervisor to figure out who our new social worker was, and waited like a month and never heard from anybody, and then I followed back up and still waited like another three weeks and still didn't hear from anybody, and I followed back up again. And really, I think what finally pushed us through was I have a friend who, one of our dear friends, doesn't work for the county but works alongside the county, and some of the people that she works with on a daily basis do work for the county and our social workers. And I just was like, I don't know what is taking so long. I don't even know who our social worker is anymore. Like we've just been sitting waiting. I don't even know what is going on. And she finally was like, that's it. Like, so she started making phone calls and got people involved and finally 
found out like, oh, this is your new social worker. And then it was like two weeks she was out, did our home study, did our home visit, filled all of our stuff out, asked us all the questions. And then at that point, we still had kids at home. So we said, hey, mm-hmm. we won't be ready to go until the end of August when our girls leave for college. Right. So, right. yeah. So that was it. And then we just sat and waited. And then at some point we got an email and we got a certificate in the mail. (laughs) Yeah. So she, I mean, she came out in, I think the beginning of August or the end of July and did all of that. And then we had, we got all of our stuff at the end of August. We had an email like on a Tuesday, I think like morning saying, oh, you're officially approved. Then we got our certificate in the mail, I don't know, within the next week or whatever. So yeah, so it was basically August of 2021 is when we did our orientation and we were officially approved August of 2022. And then of course it took months and months and months to get a kid, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, actually it, the exact opposite. It took that afternoon. So, I mean, we didn't have a kid that afternoon, but we got. Literally like when we, when we moved from Indiana to California because of the house housing market the way it was. We put our house on the market and within 24 hours mm-hmm. it was sold. Mm-hmm. That same kind of a thing. You get your license in the mail and instantly you have emails with, "Hey, here's five kids. Mm-hmm. Which one which one of the five do you want?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we got the email on a Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon I had a phone call from a social worker. I didn't answer my phone because I didn't know who it was when they called because they always there. I've realized now their numbers always are say no caller ID on them. Yeah, not traceable. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, she left a message and was like, "Hey, I hear you're licensed, and I have my caseload. I'd love to run through with you." And so, <laughs> I think it took me a day to get back to her because uh, I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is really happening. Here we go." And so, yeah, it was literally, I mean, literally it wasn't even 24 hours. Yeah, and, for a process that took a over a <laughs> close to a year to yeah. finish up. Yeah. It's like the next day instantaneous. Yeah. Here you go. Yep. Yep. So, how long was it? How long did it take after that first email? I can't remember if it was 2 or 3 three weeks. So I feel like within two weeks, we kind of had to make a decision. And then, and then we had like another we didn't week. actually get her. Maybe. Yeah. Week, so but. basically the social worker called what the, I figured out through a couple of conversations with a couple of different people that basically what happens is here in California, you get approved. And then the uh, social workers who have, who are trying to place kids, I can't remember what their technical terms are called, but anyways, um, they're trying to place kids into homes. So they basically, one of them will call and say, hey, here's my caseload. And they basically, you know, when we went through all of our home study, we basically sat down with that social worker and said, here's here's what we will do. Here's what we won't do. Here's what we're comfortable with. Here's what we're not comfortable with. Boy, yeah, girl, level of, ages. Level of complexity. Yeah. Medical issues, yeah. trauma. Yeah. All that kind of all stuff. That stuff. So Acting they, out behaviors. Yeah. They ask all those questions. And so we kind of laid some things out with her, but then when they call and they're trying to place kids with you, they basically are like, okay, well, here's what I see on your application. Does that still ring true? You know? And I'm like, yeah, pretty much it still rings true. They're like, okay, well, I'm just going to tell you what I have. And I mean, most of them- they don't match. (laughs) Yeah. Most of them did not match. And so, but they're just trying, I mean, they're trying to do their best to get kids placed in homes. And so she basically ran me through, I think there were a couple that she was like, I'm not even going to talk to you about um, a couple of them, but she ran me through 
Three or four situations. I can think of three right off the top of my head. Um, mm-hmm. That she was like, you know, here's the ones that um, I think could be possibilities. Because basically, what Daryl and I said was, we had t- we had had we had talked to Tyler and had many conversations with Tyler because we knew this was going to impact Tyler more than it was going to impact our girls because we knew our girls would be out of the house, but Tyler would still be in the house, and so he was a huge part of this decision. He. I mean, we basically just looked at him and said, this is what we want to do. I mean, we looked at all of our kids and asked, but he was really the one that we just, I mean, if he would have said no, the answer would have been no, because we're like, this has to work for him. He has to be okay with this. And so he was like, yeah, no, that's fine. And then I said, okay, well, what's your parameters? What's your age? What's your, what do you want? What do you don't want? And he basically just told us he wanted, he didn't want anybody older than like sixth grade. Um, he really wanted a baby. And I was like, nope, that's not going to happen unless you're going to get up in the middle of the night. So, but he was desperate for a baby. Uh, so, but he just kind of said, I don't want anybody older than sixth grade. And so we were like, okay, that's, that's fine. That's what we'll do. So we kind of said school age, um, knowing that we both work full time and it's like, how do you ever take care of a toddler and both have full-time jobs and have older kids that you're still running and doing things for. And so we kind of decided kindergarten through like up to sixth grade was kind of our age range. We didn't really care girl or boy. It We kind of said it doesn't matter to us. Um, we said one, possibly two, but probably let's start. That's, that's one thing we did go back and forth on. Mm-hmm. We were like, well, we have room. We could do two. But do we do two? I don't know. That seems a little overwhelming. Um But so we kind of landed, I think, on probably one. But yeah, so she basically just called and, you know, gave us um, a set of boys that were a little one of, well, they might have both been close to our age range. Um, So but lots of stuff going on with these boys. Um, they are yeah, kind of violent toward each other. Yeah. Sometimes and- yeah. They had a lot going on. Mom, they both had. um Neither one of them wanted to see mom. They weren't doing visits with the parents. I don't think dad was in the picture, but they didn't, they weren't doing visits with the mom because they didn't want to do visits with the mom and said they never wanted to go back to mom. And yeah. And that's another piece we haven't really talked about is when we were working with a social worker and they asked like Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. adoption, Mm -hmm. like is adoption your goal? Mm -hmm. And we were very adamantly no, Mm -hmm. you know, we got into this to help kids you know, we don't we don't want to just be one and done, take mm-hmm. a kid and have to adopt, you know, because that that's what the court's recommending. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that kind of helped rule out some of those early kids, right? Okay. And we are back. So funny little story. <laughs> Here we are doing our first um, episode in this series on being a resource family. And our little kiddo comes walking down the stairs at... 10.38 at night <laughs> after being in bed for, what, two, two, two and hours? a half hours. Two and a half, half hours. hours. Mm-hmm. So, so there you have it. <laughs> real real life example of what it's like having resource kids. Not that your own kids wouldn't do the same thing, but there's that. Mm-hmm. All of our kids are right out of the house right now. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That is our only kid in the house. So, the yeah, she comes walking down with bad dreams. So we put her back to bed. And here we go again. So... Just to summarize what we were talking about before that, um, the whole adoption thing, that just wasn't part of our goal. That wasn't one of our main goals. 
right? Yeah. I mean, that was, I think it goes back to the whole thing of, we just want to be that safe place in the in-between. And we know we want every kid to be with their family if that's what they can do. So how, what part do we play in that? We play the part in that of let us be that in-between, let us have let us be that safe place that a kid can be. And then also we want to do what we can to help parents get the resources they need and, you know, help them move along in their journey so that they can um, have their kids back. And so, yeah, that, I mean, it's one of the questions a social worker will ask when you're going into this is what is your, you know, are you in it to foster or be a resource family? Are you in it to foster, to adopt? Are you in it to just straight up adopt? You know, what are you going? And we just said, we are in it to foster. We aren't against adoption. So neither one of us, we kind of said, you know, if we get into this and we get a kid in our house and we've had a kid in our house for two years and it finally was like, okay, they're right. The parents' rights are being terminated and this kid's up for adoption. I don't know that we would be like, oh no, we're out. You know, um, that breaks my heart too. So, but it's, we're not going in it. We don't want a kid placed in our care that they know it's going to adoption. And a lot of times they know that. So, you know, if there's a kid that sometimes there will be kids that they have on their caseload that parental rights have already been terminated or they're really close to being terminated. And so we just said, that's not what we're going in it to do. So. And that was really, that was one of the things that helped us decide which, which kiddo to. Yeah. To move yeah. forward with because yeah. the those two boys you're talking about, like it it was a pretty volatile situation. There was a good chance that yeah. things weren't gonna work out. Probably. Yeah. And the social worker kind of said to me, she's like, I don't know that this is the best case for you guys to take as your first the first kids you have in your house. So she mm-hmm. kind of even said, She's like, I don't not that you can't handle them. She's like, but I just think it would be it would be a rough transition um, because there's just a lot going on right now within these kids' lives. And so she kind of she told me the story, but also kind of was like, I don't know that it's. Um, and I just remembered their title of replacement workers. So going back to that. So oh, yeah. So yeah. So that was those. And then um, there was a 13 year old girl that she talked to me about that uh, she was going to go back to mom. Mom was in going, actually, this is a great story. Mom was in rehab, so getting her life back together. And uh, mom and dad, I think, were still together. But um, the girl couldn't be with mom in rehab. And so she was seeing mom on a regular basis once a week. She was seeing, like, grandma and aunt once a week. Uh, And the plan was as soon as mom was out of rehab that she would go back with mom. So that, I mean, she was in process on her way um, to going back to mom and we comp- contemplated her heavily mm-hmm. um for a while had lots of different conversations and asked lots of, ended up asking lots of questions so it was her and then it was uh, a 5 year old that had just been placed had been removed from her home in July of this year so had literally been with one foster family um and that foster family was disrupting the placement so basically was asking for her to be moved to a different foster home. And so those were kind of the two that we were left with, right? The two that we mm-hmm. kind of were like, okay. Yeah, back and forth. Back and forth two. between those two. So so the one that we headed toward was the five-year-old. Mm-hmm. We're just going to call her A. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so talk a little bit about how we just finally determined that that was the way to go. Yeah. I mean, we went back and forth and luckily, uh, this friend that I talked about before that we have in our lives, her name is Erin. Um, she's been, she's had foster kids in her home and has adopted kids out of the foster care system and is the one that works not 
technically for the county, but alongside the county doing trainings for foster families. And um, I did a lot of back and forth with her. I had so many conversations with her on the phone and just were like, hey, here's the kids. What do you think? What are the questions I haven't thought to ask? And so, um, you know, I kind of told her, I said, I think we're leaning towards the 13-year-old. And she just, you know, started asking me lots of questions. Have you asked this? Have you asked that? What do you know about this? And we ended up figuring out um, that she had been in the system for quite a long time and had been in and out of several different places. I think this, where she was at now was, uh, her like fifth placement. I think she was in a, she was at like a group home. Um, and it was like her fifth placement. And so that kind of for us was a little like, Oh, there's probably more to the story than what we realize. And, also by asking some more questions, just had some concerns that we could be putting Tyler at risk. Um, just because of her age, she was in our age range. She was, well, she was a little out of our age range. I think she might've been like sixth grade on the high end. Um, but the social worker even told us that she was very boy crazy. Um, so she's like, you know, she's a good kid overall. She, you know, she doesn't get into trouble, but she is very boy crazy. Um, and so my friend Erin was just like, I don't know. She's like, I just, I worry that you're, you know, we have a 17 year old, he's 18 now, but at the time was a 17 year old son in our house that, you know, um, she's like, she's going to fall in love with him. I can just tell you, I mean, it's just going to happen. Like there's just no way for it to not happen. Um, and so Erin was just like, I just, I just worry. I worry that there could just be things that you don't even know and that it could just end up putting him at risk. And um, so I think that, kind of made us kind of stop in our tracks for a minute and think like, Ooh, maybe that's not the right situation right now. Um, mm-hmm. and so then, yeah, we decided, okay, well that leaves us with the five-year-old. And I mean, just to know this, like we knew what we, I ended up finding out was that if we could say no to the social worker and say, no, none of those are a fit for us. And then we would get moved on to the next placement worker and they would go through our, their caseload with us. But yeah. we wouldn't hear from another placement worker until we had said no to all of these kids. Um, and so, but they didn't, they were like, if none of these kids are a fit, don't worry, there will be a kid that will be a fit. So there was no pressure. It was just yeah. like, here's the kids I have on my caseload, you know, basically is what it was. And so but it's good to know. It's good to know that mm-hmm. and hear from people yeah. before you get in that situation, because I can see how a, a brand new resource family without a lot of uh, help or mentoring mm-hmm. or anything would probably just feel like, scared in that moment and anxious, like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, they're telling me that there's only these three kids right. and I just have to pick one. And, um, yeah. yeah, so it is helpful to kind of know that before you go into it. Yeah. Yeah. So we heard about this five-year-old and kind of heard a little bit about her story. And, uh, just that, like I said, she had only been in the system for a little bit. She had been placed with this one family and the family was displacing because they had said that they had a, a daughter, um, a another kid in their house and that she was being, um, there was just some physical stuff that was happening between her and the daughter. And they just felt like it just wasn't a fit for their family. Um, so we decided the social workers, like you can go do a visit. You could do a couple of visits actually just to see what you think. And so we were like, okay, well, we'll go do a visit and we'll kind of, you know, see where we're at. And it was, but it it happened. It had to happen pretty fast though, because they were asking that the but we didn't know that at the very oh, beginning. No, like I had the conversation. She was like, yeah, you could do a couple of visits. You could maybe even do an overnight with her, like, and really see what you think. Mm. And so we had decided to do the visit. And then like literally two days later, the social worker calls back and she's like, so just an FYI, just found out that they really want her out of their home within like the next week. 
So she was like, I just, yeah. And I was like, well, that's amazing. Um, and come to find out like they had put in, so basically in California, you put in, a 30 day notice. I think it's, it might be a 15. I can't remember now, but, uh, you put in an, I think it's actually a 15 day notice. You put in a 15 day notice and, um, basically saying like, Hey, I want them moved in 15 days. And they were almost at the end of like a full month. So they had given a 15 day notice and they couldn't find anybody for her. And so then they were like, well, you can just take her to Orangewood, which Orangewood is our shelter in Orange County. That is basically like, if there's like a holding tank, unfortunately, if there's no place else for a kid to go, it's basically like a shelter for kids. Um, and so they're like, well, you could just take her to Orangewood. And the family didn't want to do that, but they also were like, we gave you our notice almost a month ago mm-hmm. and you still don't have this kid moved. And so That's they the were system. The gears move slowly. Yeah. 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 So we went and did our first visit with her on a Saturday. Um, saw her for about an hour in the home with the other foster family and, uh, basically left there. And then it was on us to decide like, but we knew the other foster family was like, we need her to really go by like next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, oh, okay. and they were, and they were pretty forthcoming with information yeah. about, how she interacted, how she, who she was, what mm-hmm. she did, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, at least I felt that way. Yeah. Yeah. They gave us all the information. They told us what they knew about the family and yeah, they were very forthcoming. And, um, so yeah, so we did the visit and then talked, you and I talked more and I talked with my friend some more and just kind of like, we sat on it for like, I think a day or two just to kind of see like how we really felt and, um, knew that it was going to be like all of a sudden they're like, oh, you can do a couple of visits and do an overnight to see if it's a fit was like, no, we really need to make a decision quickly because if not, they've got to figure something else out for this little girl. So, right. So that was it. That was that. Yeah. We, so we made the decision and then a few days later drove, we picked her up a week later. We (laughs) literally did a visit with her on a Saturday and the following Saturday we picked her up. Yep. So, and that's been two months ago. Almost. Yeah. It's almost like that crazy first drive from the hospital when you bring your first kid home from the hospital. It's like you you, walk, you drive up to this house, this kid walks out with you, they get in your car, and you drive back to your house knowing that that kid's going to be with you for mm-hmm. who knows how long. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty crazy. Mm, it's pretty crazy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. So A is with us. And has been with us for a while now, um, but we're not going to go in any further because we've got all sorts of stories, <laughs> and we've already done forty-five minutes to an hour here on this episode. So, I think we'll end it, end it there. Um, so next time, we'll have stories. We've stories got a few about <laughs> just how it's been going, what it what it means to have a kid, and more information on our journey mm-hmm. through this. So. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me. Of course. I, I'm gonna have to make this happen more often. I you 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 say that and <laughs> act like I'm like sitting in the corner, like no, I will not do this with you. It's not that. It just literally it's not, comes it's down not. to time. Like we both work full time jobs. We both work more than full time jobs. We both have two jobs that we're working, and now we have this kid in our house. And you know, it's one of those things that it's just like. 
life just in time just goes by and you tend to get up early and record podcasts in the early hours of the morning and I'm not doing that. So <laughs> it has to be a nighttime thing. This is, this is Tammy's time. It's 1051 at night and Tammy is ready to go. Let's do another hour. Yeah, Let's go. I could do another hour. It'd be fine. <laughs> oh, so good. Well, maybe we'll just have to put it on the schedule, add it to the calendar so that it happens. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Well, we will see you all next time. Okay. Well, that was that was a lot of fun. I'm so glad that uh, Tammy and I were able to find time in our schedules to sit down and knock that out. Uh, the first of many, hopefully. Um, I can't wait to jump back in every now and then and, and have future conversations about not only us and our story, um, being a resource family, but also stories about our our kiddos that we have that come in and out of our house. So looking forward to that. Uh, thank you for joining us. And hopefully you'll join us on future episodes related to this. Um, until then, everyone, have a great week and keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. If you're interested in the show notes for this episode, head on over to transcendhuman.com forward slash podcast and navigate to the episode you're looking for. On the website, you'll also find blog posts, podcast series, and other helpful resources to help you navigate the Transcend Human ecosystem. You'll also find links to our social media channels, and as always, if you have questions, feel free to contact us at info at transcendhuman.com. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here on Monday morning.